0: Good morning. Ooh, we're getting mid September already. Good morning. morning. That's a little better. We are now officially in the grind of being students, right? Got homework, got tests, got papers. You've gone through all the seasons of The Office on Netflix and you're desperately looking for a. All right? Biggest disappointment of my. September so far, new series, Jack Ryan, anybody pick up on that? It's only one season. Now I got to wait a whole year. Hate to get into something and wait. Julie and I have done a lot of Youth ministry and college ministry over the years. And one of the things we discover is there's always similar questions that come up every single year. Julie likes to do cards and have, have uh, young women write down questions. And, and usually you can identify, you know, ahead of time there are some questions that are always going to come up. For example, how can an all knowing, all powerful, completely good God lo- allow evil? Everybody asks that question every year. Every year at colleges and seminaries, people write papers of it. If we have Bible and theology professors here, you're going to have the discussions. It goes on to talk about free will and determination. If I'm not mistaken, didn't either you just had a workshop day or a discussion group. I saw a sign somewhere. It's this afternoon. I thought it was coming up. Go to it if you have that question. Where's it at? Presentation Hall. Presentation Hall. There are signs up everywhere, check it out. Another question, are there really demons and angels? We love talking about freaky supernatural stuff, right? Especially around Halloween, all right? You like, you like that stuff? Are there really demons out there? Do angels really exist? Do we have a guardian angel that follows us everywhere and takes care of us, all right? We, ha- we have those questions, and every year it, it comes up. Uh, oh, this is the one. This is the question. How do you know if someone is the one? Right? All right how do you know, or, or uh, how do you know if you're really in love? That's, that's like the number one question, right, of all time. Now, today, and especially if you're a worship leader, this is, this is an important one. In Christian circles today, iPhone or Galaxy right? iPhone or Samsung Galaxy? Isn't that a big debate right now? Because you can't be a worship leader if you don't have a Mac and an iPhone and Pro Presenter. Is that not the case? We have these questions. The other big one, the other big one, how do I know God's will? How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know who I'm supposed to marry, what job I'm supposed to take? How do I know the next step for my life? We're going to look at a story today that, at first glance, seems to be a weird one to look at to talk about God's will. But I think in it, we are going to have some insights, and for those of you who are wrestling seniors, in about, what, seven months, what's God's will for the rest of your life once you grow up? I don't know. How do we figure that out? But we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament, and... uh, it's a story that, like I said, is going to be a little bit odd when it comes to, comes to this, this concept. But I want you to hang in there with me. Um, a lot of today's message is going to be a little more focused than those of you who are believers, but there are a couple parts in here that regardless of where you are in your walk with Christ, I think the Bible gives us tremendous insight in how to live, so hang in there with us as well. Let me set the stage for you. The, the, the people of Israel are under siege pretty much by the Philistines. The Philistines have worked out a good deal. Nobody in all of the country can have a sword or a spear except for the king and his son. Because all the blacksmiths are Philistines, and so they won't make a sword or a spear for, for anyone. And so we're introduced to the story with a really weird statement about this fact that the only people in all the army that have a sword and a spear are Saul and his son, Jonathan. And it says that the Israelites are are camped. Saul is camped at this this spot, and he's sitting under a pomegranate tree, eating his pomegranate seeds. And his son, Jonathan, comes up with an idea. He goes to his armor-bearer, and he says, hey, let's go. Let's go over to those Philistines. Let's go over to those people. Now again, we have King James language. He says, let's go over to those uncircumcised fellows. You can use your imagination to figure out what he probably was saying if you know how guys talk trash in today's world. Let's go over to those uncircumcised fellows and see what happens. Let's go over and see. Perhaps God will help. Let's go. That's a phrase you hear a lot in our house. There'll be a great trade for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll call up my son, hey, did you hear about this trade? Let's go, let's go. My oldest son was with his buddies, knew nothing of backpacking, knew nothing about cars. Let's, go to, let's drive to Colorado, let's go climb a giant mountain. Let's go. A Couple days later, I get a phone call. Dad, the car won't run, we're stuck on a mountain. But let's go, let's go, let's, let's take off, let's do something. I'm gonna to suggest today that a lot of Christians are paralyzed. We sit, I wonder what God wants me to do, I wonder where I'm supposed to go, I wonder who I'm supposed to date, I wonder what job I'm supposed to have. Okay, I'm gonna wait for God to show me. You never ask a girl out, you never send out a resume, You just sit. I'm going to tell you today, I believe the first step in finding finding God's will is let's have a let's go attitude. You have no idea where He's going to take you, you have no idea what's going to happen. Get off your butt and do something. Some of us complain a lot oh, God hasn't told me this. God hasn't. God's waiting for you to step up, get off. Get out of the chair and do something. While the king is sitting under a tree eating his pomegranate seeds, while the rest of the army is sitting around, they're in a safe place. There's a mountain over there. There's a big valley. Nobody's going to attack them right now. Let's just sit and chill. For Jonathan, that wasn't enough. Let's go. Let's go do something that nobody's thought of. Perhaps God will show up and help us. What a great, great statement. What if we set out? What if we decide to do something? What if we go someplace? We don't know what's gonna happen, but what if God shows up and helps? That's Jonathan's mentality. It's a great, it's a great statement. One of the best books I ever read is a book by Kevin DeYoung. It's called Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will. And he talks about God's will, and and to help us understand, we need to learn some things about God's will. You see, there's three types of will the Bible really talks about. We've got God's secret will, or his will of decree. This is the plan that God set in place from the very beginning. He's going to bring it about. This is what Genesis tells us, this is what Revelation tells us. We don't know how it's all going to be done, but God does, and it's going to happen. We have God's revealed will. This is his will of desire. This is is the will that we sometimes obey and sometimes don't. This is his will that we tell the truth. This is his will that we take care of our children. This is his will that we make sure we don't oppress the orphan or the widows. This is his will that we don't gossip. This is his will that we love one another. These are the things that the Bible says, if you want to be in the will of God, this is what you do. And most of God's will is pretty clear to us. But then there's another piece, and we see it in the Bible. His will of direction. It's God's will for our lives. Who we marry, what job we take, what we should have for breakfast. No, that may not be in there. But what does God want us to do? Kevin DeYoung says this, and this is not the quote on the screen, hold off on that one. He says, trusting in God's will of decree is good. Following his will of desire is obedient. But waiting for God's will of direction is a mess. It is bad for your life, it's harmful for your sanctification, it allows too many Christians to be passive tinkerers who strangely feel more spiritual the less they actually do. I'm gonna challenge some of you who claim to follow Jesus. You can't passively follow Jesus. You can't passively follow Jesus sitting in your futon or your easy chair. The Bible calls us to action. The Bible says let's go. Let's go run at a giant. Let's take a stand against an evil king. And we can't be passive, waiting for God to write on the wall someplace when God's already told us clearly, here's what I want you to do, but I've also made you free. Be bold. Take a stand, take a step. De Young goes on, he says, God does not, or God does have a specific plan for our lives, but it is not one that he expects us to figure out before we make a decision. Let me talk about finding a wife. I know that that's an important topic for some of you, or finding a husband. My freshman year of college, I was at a small Christian college, and, and yes, it was happy hunting ground because there were more Christian girls than I had ever seen in my life, so that was a fun way to start, start school. I met a girl. We dated, and six months later, we were good friends, but there was nothing else there, and, and so we broke up, and she, I was happy, she was crushed. It wasn't a good thing, but that's kind of how it went. Sorry, I didn't. That's just the truth. That's the truth. It all worked out for her too, so that's that's a good, good thing. That spring, my, my basketball coach introduced me to his daughter. She was playing tennis, and I was a tennis and basketball player, and so she was back for spring break. We needed Um, or he needed somebody to hit with her so she could practice before she went back to Nyack College in New York. Sure, why not? Um, We went out and played played tennis. And true confession, I had no clue where she was spiritually. I didn't even know her personality that well. I just thought she was hot. I went back to my roommate and said, Hey, did did you see... coach's daughter and he's like yeah and you know do you know anything about her no i didn't either but okay so that's summer i had to stop by coach's house and she had had a boyfriend at the time and she was back in new york but i couldn't get this picture out of my mind so i said to 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 Joni, uh, coach's wife i said what's going on with julie oh she just moved back yesterday hallelujah <laughs> better yet she just broke up with her boyfriend two for two Do you have a phone number? Yes, three for three. Let's go, right? So we went and played tennis. And we probably talked more than we played. And I found out she invited me to a Bible study, and I turned her down because I had to be at work at five in the morning, dumb decision, but that was me being a young goof. Um, But I found out she loved Jesus I found out I liked hanging out with her, and it was like, okay, let's go, let's go. Get to school. Who do I see walking across the parking lot first day back? I gotta move quick, because I know if I don't, somebody else is gonna step in. So I drive over my old little Datsun B210 without a front grill. <laughs> I was not wealthy at the time, or now. Um, <laughs> hey Julie, how are you? Hey, and she's somebody she knew, and so wanted to go to my grandma's and help me get my stuff because I lived with my grandma that summer, and so she went with me, and I asked her out on a date. Let's go. No, she did say yes, luckily. Went out, okay, classic, saw a really dumb movie. We had a little theater in Excelsior, so the only thing that was playing was called My Science Project. Horrible, horrible movie. And then the big spender take her to Burger King, not knowing she doesn't like hamburgers. But the hamburgers didn't matter. We talked, and true confession, I walked through the door. I kissed her on the first date. Now, now, hang on. That's biblical. Jacob kissed Rachel on his first date, so. Now, hang on. Now, true story, she did not kiss back. But, but, she said yes to go out again. I believe I was in God's will every step of the way. What what does the Bible tell us? Find somebody you can be passionate with. Find somebody you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Find somebody who loves Jesus. Eventually become one. And in that process, I'm giving you freedom. Here is, here is, Here's what I believe we have to hear. The Bible says this in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You want to know what God's will is for you? It's to be set apart. It's not to be ordinary. It's not to be common. It's not to be profane. It's to do something more than the average. To do something for the kingdom of God, to change somebody's life, to bring peace and hope and love into this world in a way that nobody that doesn't know Jesus can do. And he's calling you to be sanctified, but that process is a wide process. This is what Kevin DeYoung finishes with, and I want this quote up here because it's an important one. The end of the matter is this. Live for God, obey the scriptures, think of others before yourself, be holy, love Jesus, And as you do these things, do whatever else you like, with whomever you like, wherever you like, and you'll be walking in the will of God. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God, if you're living obedient to his word, if you're putting others before yourself, if you're trying to live a holy life, God says, that's what I want from you. In that process, let's go. Step out and do something. That's what Jonathan did. While everybody else is sitting around eating pomegranates, Jonathan says, let's go. Does God want want us to go or not? I don't care, let's go. Perhaps he's gonna show up and help. Let's go, let's do something. You wanna make a difference? You wanna get out of your comfort zone? Monday, October 1st, there's a meeting. Go on a mission trip, go find out about one. Well, my buddies aren't going to go. So what? Let them sit at the tr- tree and eat pomegranates. Let's go. October 10th, FCA is having an event out at the football field. Let's go. Stuck in a relationship? Well, you know, I, I know this isn't a healthy relationship for me, but God hasn't shown me who he really wants to date. Well, let's go. Break up with this one so you're ready when the next person comes along. Don't stay in some place that makes you unhealthy or unholy or common. Let's take a step. Let's go someplace. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be smooth sailing. They they were sitting on a tree over here. There's a cliff here. There's a cliff here. There's a big valley. Jonathan and his armor bearer have to go through the valley this cliff's name right here, it's called Sina. It means slippery. It's a cliff that's full of slippery rocks. It's not an easy thing. You fall down, you slide down, you get hurt. You cross the valley. You get to the cliff of Bozes, which means thorny. Now you got to climb up through the thorns. You're going to get scraped. It's hard. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, all right, we're going to go And if if they say, come on up, we're going to come on up, because that means God has the victory for us. This is what God wants us to do. And then he makes a powerful statement. He says, nothing can hinder God from saving. Nothing can stop God from saving, whether by a few or by many. You can't stop God. I can't stop God. I can take a left turn. I dated Beth for six months. That didn't stop God from helping me find Julie. Some of us take a job and it's not the right job. My my youngest son has gone through like four jobs because every time he gets to one God, he thinks God calls him someplace else. That's great, let's go. Think big. Think big. Get up and let's, let's do something. And then here's what's going to help you. you got to have an armor bearer. If we go back to the first statement, Jonathan's got a sword and a spear. His armor bearer's probably got a knife. We know from the story there's at least 20 big Philistine warriors up on top of the cliff. His armor bearer says this to him. Do all that you got in mind. I am with you heart and soul. Do all you got in mind. I am with you heart and soul. All right, athletes, how powerful is your team if you look around that locker room, if you look around the huddle, you know that every single man or woman is with you heart and soul. I'm gonna tell you right now, I've coached a number of years, none of you are there yet, it's too early in your seasons. You still got people that are there, I'm with you, 70%. I'm with you as long as I get to play enough. But when you get those special teams where everybody, I'm there, heart and soul. You want a great marriage someday? Have a spouse who's with you, heart and soul. Hey, Julie, let's move to Kansas. But we live in Chicago. Chicago's fun. It's big. There's lots to do. I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go on a mission trip. I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's go live someplace. We've got former students who are living in this heart of an ethnic neighborhood in Chicago. It's not easy. Let's go. Let's do it. You want power in your life? I wonder why the Bible tells us not to be yoked together with an unbeliever. Because if you're yoked together with an unbeliever, they're never going to be with you heart and soul. And either you're going to be dragging them everywhere you go, or they're going to be dragging you everywhere you go. And don't just think that's about relationships in terms of marriage and dating. It's true about your business partner someday, too. You need a business partner who's with you heart and soul. You need a partner in ministry who's with you heart and soul. You need a teammate who's with you heart and soul. Coaches need players who are with them heart and soul, and players need coaches who are with them heart and soul. Actors need directors who are with them heart and soul. I don't care if you're a believer or not, you gotta find something you can absolutely commit to and put that relationship, that thing, ahead of yourself. And then there's this extraordinary power. What happens? They climb down the slippery cliff. They cross the valley. They come to the thorny cliff. And the Philistines start trash-talking down to them. And Johnson says, here we go. His armor bearer says, I'm with you. I'm a little scraped up, but we're good to go. They climb up, and they've got about a half acre, which is maybe the size of this auditorium down here. There's 20 warriors sitting up there, and here's how the battle goes. It says Jonathan goes, and his armor bear f- followed behind him, and he's swinging his sword and he's stabbing. He doesn't have time to stop and see if the guy's dead, and it's a scary thing if he's not dead because he's going to come up and attack from behind. But that's okay because his armor bear is there, and anybody that's not dead, he makes sure of it. And there's 20 men, and they're coming from every side, and Jonathan is fighting. And all of a sudden he looks up and there's 20 dead Philistines. But you see, that's not the end of the story. There's a whole army out there. And there's a great little verse that says, Then a panic hit the Philistine camp. That panic was sent by God. Then God stepped in. You see, it wasn't about those 20. It wasn't about climbing the hill. God's will was far bigger than, than Jonathan ever imagined. He was going to do something greater, but he needed Jonathan to step out. Let's go. And the enemy began to run. And the people on the other mountain was like, hey, look over there. Those guys are running away. Who are we missing? And instead of chasing them, Saul says, Oh, let's just gather everybody and count off heads. Let's pray a little. Well, let's not pray. Let's pray. He kind of wavers back and forth. Meanwhile, Jonathan and his armor bearer are chasing the entire army themselves. Finally, they say, let's go. And they go, and there's this huge victory. Here's my challenge to you tonight. I said this story started with two guys who have weapons, the only two guys in the whole nation. One's under a pomegranate tree, eating pomegranates, taking it easy. One who says, let's go. Let's go. Let's trust God. Let's live in this freedom that he gives us. I know he wants us to be a nation under him. I know he takes care of us. Let's go. Which one are you? One doesn't pray, and then he prays a little, and he doesn't, and then he kind of sits. He's indecisive. He wavers. The other steps out and says, we're going, and his buddy says, I'm with you, heart and soul. One holds back. The other inspires. One's fearful, one trusts God. I believe God has set a world in front of you. Here's here's my will for you, that you come to know me. Here's my will for you, that you're set apart, that you're sanctified, that you are something more. How are you going to find that? Let's go, figure it out. When you step to the left, you're going to hear a voice in your ear saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you step to the right, you're going to hear a voice, this is the way, walk in it. God's big enough. If you take a wrong turn, he'll get you back on the right track. But get off your butts and let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Lord, I pray there's a power in this group of young men and women. There's something in them that you have built, that you have created that's unique. And I pray they hear your voice today. Let's go. Let's not wait. Let's not sit around, but let's go. Let's find somebody and love on them. Let's find a world and bring peace to it. Let's find somebody who needs hope and tell them about our hope in Jesus. I pray that they would discover your will, they would discover the freedom they have as they follow you, and that they would be bold and powerful, that we would not sit under a tree, but we would climb cliffs and discover you're already there, you've shown up, and you're gonna help in more than we could ever imagine. pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.